Good evening, everyone. Getting used to this little mic around my ear, so if I keep trying to fix it or whatever, I, I apologize for that. Uh, thank you, Vic. Uh, and just before we do turn to God's word, I do want to repeat something I said this morning. So if you were here this morning, uh, I was kind of sorry for saying it again, but I, I did just want to take, as, as Vic has said, this is my first Sunday back after being off for three months on sabbatical, and I, I did just want to publicly thank uh, the leadership and the members here at Windsor for, for giving me that time and that space. I really appreciated it. I really valued it. I actually loved it. Uh, uh, many of you will know that I had these four kind of key hopes for my time out, which was to reflect, to reconnect, to refresh and restore. And I can honestly say that, th that those hopes have been fulfilled. Uh, and so if you are interested, I will share some specific stories and reflections uh, from my time on sabbatical on Sunday evening, the 4th of January. So, uh, so if you, you want to come and hear more, then that's the opportunity to do it. So if you do have a Bible, could I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 57? It's page 576 in, in the Bibles that are in the pews. Uh, many of you know I, I love the Psalms. And over the, the past six years, we have, we have done a couple of sermon series based on these ancient and contemporary prayers. And, and one of the reasons why I love the Psalms so much, and I've, I've tried to highlight this before, is because they speak for us. To quote the fourth century uh, theologian uh, Athanasius, he said, most of Scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. In, in other words, they capture and they reflect where we often find ourselves. They kind of give us a voice. And so we can take their words and their expressions and we can use them to pray or to fuel our prayers. What I find with the Psalms, and, and people have discovered this down through the centuries, is that they articulate for us kind of our deepest thoughts and longings. And so sometimes when you're really struggling to, to maybe pray your own words, I mean, here is a prayer book that has been given to us and has been used down through the years. So most of the rest of Scripture speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. As part of my sabbatical, I went on a 96-hour silent retreat to, uh, to a Benedictine monastery. And five times a day, a bell would ring and it would call us to gather for prayer. And during the majority of those prayer times, we listened as the Psalms were sung, or, or rather they were chanted, a Gregorian chant. And I must admit, every time I go there, and I do try to go there once a year, but every time I go there and I enter into that daily rhythm, I find it so helpful and so refreshing as I allow the Psalms to speak for me. So Psalm 57 is a prayer that, that I'm inviting us to kind of use and hear tonight and, and hopefully learn from. Now, this isn't the beginning of a, a new series in the Psalms. In fact, this is probably the only Psalm we'll look at over the next few weeks. But tonight, as Vicka said, we are starting a new series on prayer called Conversation and Encounter, and I'll, I'll say a wee bit more about that in a moment. 
And as most of you know, and, and Mark has already shared that with us, and if you've been about here for the last few weeks, you'll know that we, from the 1st of December, from Monday, have entered into this intentional period of prayer, these 40 days. This is day seven. And we're inviting anyone who belongs to Windsor or who's associated with Windsor, is connected to Windsor, and the very fact you're here tonight, I'm going to assume all of you are in some way, to join us and to join in as we think about and discern where God might be leading us. And what is God saying to us at this particular moment in time? What is God saying to us at this chapter in our story? And so alongside this 40-day initiative, I kind of wanted to use our Sunday evenings and a couple of Sunday mornings, actually, to explore prayer, which is a gift. It is an instinct and it is, as, as Ronald Dunn said years ago, it, it's a human necessity. It's not a religious exercise. It's a human necessity to pray. But why conversation and encounter? Well, a couple of reasons. One is I've uh, been reading Tim Keller's latest book on prayer. And, and this is how he describes it, and this is how he defines it very early on. And I must admit, when I read it, I just went, that, Brett, that is just so good. That, that just defines prayer, conversation and encounter. It captures what prayer is. It captures what's involved. It captures why it is so important. I mean, if we have, think about this, if we have the chance and the opportunity to talk to and to talk with, and not only talk to and talk with, but to personally meet the God of Scripture, the God of the universe, the God of our past, present, and future, the God who holds everything together, the God who gives, the God who takes, the God who was and is and is to come, was and is and is to come. And we could go on and on coming out with phrases like that. But if prayer is the means of verbal conversation and deep encounter with that God, is it not absolutely vital that we do it? I mean, if this is how we converse with the Almighty God and meet with the Almighty God, is it not vital we're doing it? Not just during these 40 days, but every day for the rest of our lives. So conversation and encounter. And during this series, we're going to look at some of the ways we can, we should, and we do approach those two experiences. And Sam... 57 is a great starting point, or at least I hope it is and will be. Because you see, Psalm 57 reminds us of a significant dimension to praying. Psalm 57 is at one level, please hear me in that, at one level it is a prayer of adoration. And when we pray, or as we pray, Adoration needs to be a prominent characteristic and hallmark of our practice. That before we ask for anything, or alongside our asking, because I don't want to become prescriptive about this, but before we ask and alongside our asking, we need to make sure we worship and acknowledge who goes. I, I have loved the fact that today, at the start of both of our services, and just happened that you picked the same psalm, but at the start of both of our services, we have had prayers of adoration not just read to us and prayed to us using the Psalter, but also in the prayers that then followed up from both Vic and Mark. The right from the word go, before we ask anything of God, we're actually finding ourselves of being encouraged to adore 
Most of us are probably familiar with this uh, acronym ACTS. We've grown up with it, many of us have anyway, and used it as a modeler. What, what do those four letters stand for? Thank you. One or two of you that said it. How many people do you know what all those four stand for? Yeah, most people. See, adoration, uh, confession, thanksgiving, and, and supplication. Now, whenever we think about acts, and we maybe think, oh, you know, it's just too simplistic, it's too prescribed, it's, it's too neat. But whatever we think of it, it does remind us to maintain balance and perspective whenever it comes to our praying. And as we spend these 40 days looking to God and crying out to God, and that is what we're being encouraged to do. We're being encouraged to say, God, what are you saying to us at this time? We're longing for you to speak into us and our hearts and minds as a church, as individuals and as a body. What are you saying to us? But I hope that during these 40 days, our praying will constantly be infused with adoration, a recognition of who God is. Before we, we look at Psalm 57 specifically, I do want to say something about Scripture generally and its role in prayer. And this, this kind of ties in with the question that I know some, a number of people have been kind of asking, and it's this. How do we hear God's voice? How do we tune in to what God is saying to us right now or at any point in time for that matter? Well, let me go back to this idea of conversation. You know, sometimes prayer is seen as me getting round to talking to God. That, 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 that's, I'm, I'm, I need to pray. I need to get round to talking to God. But prayer is not and never has been a monologue. It, it's dialogue. It, it's conversation. It, it's two-way. And the way that God communicates with us, the way that God befriends us is through speech. And so how do we hear what God is saying? How do you? How do we receive God's words? Well, the answer is actually simple. Or, or not, as the case may be. God's words come to us via, in, and through scripture. Now, sometimes we are guilty, I am guilty of kind of separating prayer and Bible reading, that somehow they are two very distinct disciplines. They're two distinct holy habits, but they actually go together and must go together. There needs to be an overlap. There needs to be a meshing of the, the two. Eugene Peterson makes this point, your starting point for prayer must be immersion in God's word. And Keller kind of follows that up and says this, our prayers should arise out of immersion in the scripture. We should plunge ourselves into the sea of God's language, the Bible. And therefore, as we think about hearing from God during these 40 days, as we think about listening and tuning in to what he's saying, to him, let me stress the importance of conversation, of dialogue, of engaging with God's words, which is one of the reasons why, if you go onto the website, you'll see that we're encouraging all of us together to read Scripture, to read Nehemiah, and to listen, to listen. So yes, this is 40 days of prayer, but actually I want to say it's 40 days of conversation and encounter 
It's 40 days of speaking and listening and engaging with God. 40 days of dialogue. Okay, Psalm 57. Psalm 57 is a prayer of David. It's a sung prayer, as it turns out. If you'll notice, in, certainly in the Pew Bibles and in some of the Bibles you've got, it, it's set to music to the tune of Do Not Destroy. No idea what that sounded like. Nobody does. And let's face it, it doesn't really matter. Okay? I was going to say it. I don't care, but that would be wrong for me to say that. It doesn't really matter what the tune is like, but it was set to this tune. So let's stand together and hear this prayer. As I say, page 576 if you want to follow. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. I will make music. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Please take a seat. Twice, twice in that relatively short prayer, we, we come across this phrase, this cry of David's heart. It appears, you've seen in verse 5, it reappears in verse 11. And he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory fall over all the earth. Or be exalted in the New Living Translation. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. And whatever is going on here, and wherever David finds himself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and we are going to look at that in a second, but wherever David finds himself at that moment in time, this thought, this desire is paramount. That God would be exalted. Now, at one level, you could say, you could argue, but hang on a wee minute. Is God not already exalted? Is, is God not already exalted? I mean, sometimes we sing, in fact, I think we're going to close this service with that song, He is exalted, the King is exalted on high, and I will praise Him. One of Job's so-called friends in Job 36 says, behold, God is exalted in his power. Plus, we know that Jesus has been exalted to the highest place and has given a name that is above all names. So, God, God is exalted. But although that may be kind of true, and again, in a, in a cosmic sense, the reality on the ground can appear quite different. So, let me ask you a question. Is God exalted in our culture? Is God exalted in our society? Is God exalted in our corridors of power, in our media? Is God exalted in specific situations in our streets? Is God exalted in our churches? Is God exalted in our lives? I want to suggest not always. 
In fact, if anything, it often seems in some of those situations that God is more of an afterthought, if he's acknowledged at all. And so I honestly believe that this specific prayer of David's is incredibly important and perfectly legitimate, where he prays, God, may you be exalted. May your glory illuminate this earth. In other words, this is what I want. This is what I long for. This is what really matters above everything else. And as I've been reading the news in this prayer recently, I've sensed that at this time and in this place, it's really important that that this also is what we want. This needs to matter a lot to us. That as we pray, and as we look to God during these 40 days, and we ask him to show us the way forward, and we ask him for direction to direct our decisions, we must constantly pray that in all of this, whatever happens, wherever we find ourselves, that God would be exalted in this church and in our individual lives. Above everything, that is paramount, that God would not be dishonored, that his glory, not ours, never ours, would be visible, that that's what would become our priority that God's greatness, and what does that mean? I mean, God's glory to become, that God's greatness, his power, and his character would be acknowledged in everything we do, that God would be honored in everything that we do, that God would be given his rightful place in everything that we do. That it's not about us. It's about him. That he would be given his rightful place. And it is a big ask, but it's a familiar or it's, a, it, it's an important one, and, and it's very similar to or familiar to the kind of opening of, of the disciples' prayer or the Lord's prayer as it's come to be known. Our Father in heaven, here's the first thing I want. Here's the first thing you got to long for. Hallowed be your name. Before we ask for anything, before we want to seek what you're saying to, hallowed be your name. The prayer that God would be exalted, I believe, is one of the first and greatest prayers we can ever pray. Just before I, uh, I went off on sabbatical, one of the elders bought me an A.W. Tozer box set of books. Not sure what he was saying in that gift, but I loved it. And one of Tozer's best-known books, give me one of to- what is Tozer's probably best-known book, those of you who know? The Pursuit of God. It's a classic, it really is. And reading it again, I was just reminded just how amazing it is, written a number of years ago. But in chapter eight, he he devotes a whole section to reflecting on Psalm 57, verses five and 11. Let me show you one of his comments. I just love this. So let us begin with God. Back of all, above all, Before all is God. First in sequential order, above in rank and station, exalted in dignity and honor. The moment we make up our minds that we are going on with this determination to exalt God over all, we step out of the world's parade. We shall find ourselves out of adjustment to the ways of the world and increasingly 
so as we make progress in the holy way. Let us, as individuals and as a body, make up our minds to go on with this determination to exalt God over all. That alongside our petitions, perfectly legitimate. Alongside our requests, perfectly legitimate. Our asking, our seeking, our looking to God, our waiting on God. But alongside all of that, during these 40 days and ongoingly, let this be our cry and our longing. Be exalted, O God, above everything else. May your glory shine over all. And you'll notice that from verses 7 to 10 of that psalm, David just goes on to acknowledge who God is. And it causes his heart to rise in confidence and praise. But I want us to notice, and I tried to emphasize it, it was really, notice the intention here. And Tozer was kind of getting this, this sense of determining. You've got to be determined to do this. You've got to commit to doing this. But notice David's intention here, the choices that are involved. He's urging himself to wake up and do this. And sometimes I know, I don't know about you, but I know I need to, to say this to David, wake up and do this. I will thank you, he says. I will praise you. But as he he thinks about that intention and that choice, he says, I'm doing it for two reasons. I don't know if you picked up on this. I'm doing it for two reasons. For God's, verse 10, unfailing love and faithfulness, which are vast, expansive, and life-changing. And you know, whatever happens during these 40 days and into the future of this church, I hope and pray we will be a community of people that constantly realizes, constantly shouts about and gives thanks for these two major realities. That in our praying, that in our singing, and how we live, we never lose sight of God's unfailing love and faithfulness. And so as we pray together, and and I really... Thank you to, I know so many of you have got on board with this. And even those 240 slots, and we've got 85 of those filled, and I know some people are not really like the whole idea of clicking and registering and all of that, and hang on, am I meant to pray for three full hours? And then what we're really just saying is, listen, see if you commit to one of those three-hour slots, pray on the hour during those three hours. Just be, be constantly thinking about it, you know, but just to cover all of the 40 days in prayer. I know many of us will, but, but just to know, people, don't worry, nobody else sees who registers on that, just in case you're thinking that gets produced somewhere. That's not what this is about. Because some people have been afraid that, hang on a minute, the people's names appear and we can see who's, that's not, that's not gonna happen. So just go on the website, click on it. But that together, we, but as we do this, as we seek God, Let's ensure that our praying is characterized and punctuated by adoration. But just as I I finish, and that's really all I wanted to say tonight in a sense, just make sure our heart prayer is that God will be exalted in all of this. In all of this, whatever happens. But as we finish, I do want to get real for a moment. I hope I've been real up to now, but I want to get real as a close. Because none of this is easy all of the time. And particularly whenever you're going through the mill or whenever you find yourself in a tough and difficult place. Praying anything whenever you're struggling is a challenge. Never mind adopting an attitude of adoration and thanksgiving and praise. I mean, just praying at all. For some people, it's a really massive challenge because 
they find themselves in a difficult place. And whenever things are not good, whenever relationships are falling apart, the last thing on your mind, the last thing you feel like doing is singing and declaring how loving and faithful God is. But as we look closely, and this is the reason I chose Psalm 57 tonight. Because as you look closely and you listen carefully to David's prayer, you, quick, you quickly realize David was not in a good place when he prayed this. David was praying out of and in the midst of a very dark place, literally a dark place. Again, those of you who have a copy of God's Word in front of you will notice that it says he was praying this in a cave. He was hiding because Saul was hell-bent on killing him. David was under immense pressure. And therefore, he, he begins this prayer, and I realize many of you will have picked this up immediately. It's why most Bible commentators and scholars classify this as a personal lament rather than explicitly a prayer of adoration. But it is at one level a prayer of adoration. I believe that wholeheartedly but it's also a personal lament. And so he starts praying, saying, listen, God, have mercy on me. Oh, God, have mercy on me. He cries it twice. David is seeking refuge. He's seeking shelter, not just in a physical chamber, but he's actually seeking shelter in God. And if you're in any doubt how threatened and how vulnerable David feels, and many people here this evening, and I know this, feel threatened and feel vulnerable because they are in a dark place. Look at verse four. He says, I'm surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, whose tongues cut like swords. And this may refer to actual lions who were prowling at the mouth of the cave just waiting for David to stick his neck out. It could have been. Or it may be a kind of poetic and veiled reference to Saul himself and his bloodthirsty hordes. Either way, David's back is against the wall. And he's struggling, and he's in a dark place, and he's in a difficult place, and he's afraid for his very life. And yet, as he acknowledges his discomfort of mercy on me, God, I feel under threat. As he acknowledges his discomfort and difficulty, he still longs for God to be exalted. And he still prays for God's glory to be manifest. He still chooses to praise God. He still says, I will sing. I will praise you, God, for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. And as I say, for some of us here, and for others who aren't, but who belong to this church, who are in an uncomfortable place spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Praying is a challenge, and for some of you, I know you can just about cry help. And therefore, the thought of 40 days of prayer grates in your current circumstances. But let me encourage you to take heart from this prayer. You can pray. You need to pray. But as you do, and as all of us do, please never forget to thank and praise God for who he is and all he has done for us. May we not neglect adoration. May we constantly pray, God, would you be exalted? 
And we're going to close by singing that song in a moment, He is exalted, the King is exalted and high. But at the very end of, of that chapter in Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, he includes a prayer. And I would like us to use it, and I know it's quarter past eight, but I'd like us to just use this as a kind of response. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it, and then I'm just going to create a little bit of space and silence for you to pray it if you feel it would be appropriate for you to pray this at this time. So maybe if the, the guys in the prayers could just come forward now. Let me read this first, and then as I say, I'll just leave it up, and if you feel it would be appropriate for you to pray this. This is a hard prayer, by the way. Some of the language may be a little bit awkward and difficult, but it is a really hard prayer to pray. O oh God, be thou exalted over my possessions. Nothing of earth's treasures shall seem dear unto me if only thou art glorified in my life. Be thou exalted over my friendships. I am determined that thou shalt be exalted above all, though I must stand deserted and alone in the midst of the earth. Be thou exalted above my comforts, though it mean the loss of bodily comforts and the carrying of heavy crosses. I shall keep my vow made this day before thee. Be thou exalted over my reputation. Make me ambitious to please thee, even if as a result I must sink into obscurity and my name be forgotten as a dream. Rise, O Lord, into thy proper place of honor above my ambitions, above my likes and dislikes, above my family, my health, and even my life itself. God, I pray that you would be exalted in our lives and in this church. And during these 40 days, as we seek you, as we tune in to what you're saying to us, as we ask you to speak to us, God, I pray that we would never forget to praise you for who you are, for all you've done, for your unfailing love and faithfulness. It's never changed.
They're constant. And God, I do recognize that some here are carrying heavy crosses at the moment and are barely able to cry for help. But I ask God that during these 40 days, they will pray. They will seek your honor. That you would be exalted in their lives, in their specific situations. And that your glory would illuminate this place, this community, this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, He is exalted.